You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Jason Nitz of Warforged and Spent Case. There's this episode and over 440 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I say that every week because I really mean it. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there, and you choosing to spend your time with me means a lot to me. So thank you very much for that. This week, I'm talking to Henry Cash from Starcrawler. He is a great dude. We had a really fun chat, and Starcrawler is a fantastic band. If you've never listened to them, if you're not familiar, please go get familiar. You're going to like it. It's just good rock and roll, and they put on a crazy show. It's really, really cool. You really, really should check out Starcrawler. But first, you have a podcast to get to. I have just a touch of business to attend to, and then we can dive right into the episode. So if you're listening to this on the day it drops, there are just a few days left for you to enter to win a Martin Triple O fifteen. We at Stringjoy are giving one away, and you can enter a few different ways, and they're pretty easy. First of all, you can have an active subscription. So if you're already subscribed to receive your strings every month or whatever interval you have chosen, you're already in. That's great. If you have already purchased this month, this is February 2023, by the way, for those in the future, you are also already entered. And if you would like to get in and you haven't yet, all you got to do is have an active subscription or go buy anything off of our website. You will be automatically entered. And if you have purchased from a dealer, simply email that receipt to contestentry at stringjoy.com. That's contestentry at stringjoy.com. And you will be entered to win the Martin Guitar. It's a pretty epic prize. Voidware prohibited, of course, and all the details are available on the Stringjoy website. So thank you guys for supporting us. And I think that is enough business for one episode. Let's dive right into this episode with Henry Cash. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Henry Cash from Starcrawler. What's going on, dude? Hey, how are you doing? Pretty pretty awesome, to be perfectly honest. It's a, it's a good day so far, so I'm That's happy. pretty good. We were talking yeah. about a lot of fun stuff, and I was like, wait a minute, hold on. We should just, yeah. we should just hit recording and go. So yeah. I, don't I was know how- admiring your PV hat. Yes, thank you. I'm admiring your cowboy hat. That's a very nice hat you got there. Just to cover up the greasy hair, man. I get it. I get it. That's why I cut all mine off. I just can't deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's, a, it's yeah. a, that rock and roll lifestyle, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking yeah. about PV and you, you, I don't know how much of this we can go into like publicly because I know we were talking about some, some stuff. Uh, I mean, the- I, I could get in trouble. It's fine. I have no, I, it's whatever, but uh, I went down to PV a couple of years ago. It was my brother's birthday. My brother also plays in Starcrawler, but we were on a tour that wasn't Starcrawler. 
backing up this artist, like an indie artist, and the front of house lady was uh, had a part of the PV family. Her name was Tatiana PV. She was great. Mm-hmm. But it was my brother's birthday, and it was a drive day. I forget between where, but the end date was New Orleans. And we went through Meridian, Mississippi, and stopped at the PV factory for the PV tour. And uh, learned a lot about PV amps. The whole tour was just defending that they weren't actually bad. Uh, <laughs> they're like, you know, our speakers are used at Disneyland. That was, ah. that was their big thing. Sure. Like, you know, uh, in Vegas, it's mostly PV speakers. Uh, any casino or anything. But uh, after the tour, they offered to bring us up in a hot air balloon. Man. Um, I was too scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, what if it floats? What if it just keeps going? You know? I feel like there was an accident like the next week I heard oh. or something. I could be totally making that part up, though. So I feel like it was a good vibe that we didn't go. But instead, we went to New Orleans and did an alligator tour instead. Was, I mean, that could go wrong, too, to be honest. Like, I guess it could, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Did you hold a gator? No, we did one of the ones where you just go through the swamps and they throw marshmallows, ah. which, you know, natural alligator food. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> you know, try to keep their diet, you know, in line with what they would normally eat. Which and, is and they call it swamp crack. <laughs> swamp on crack? On the tour. They're like, yeah, we're going to go out. We got a bag of swamp crack and the gators love it. I mean, it's it's pure <laughs> calories, right? It's just pure sweet, sweet calories. So that's yeah, what... they they do they do it different down there. I've I've always wanted to do one of those. <laughs> I was gonna go to New Orleans a couple of years ago, and it got derailed by hurricane season. And mm, uh, that yeah. was on the list was to go do the the swamp, you know, fan boat tour thing. So yeah. one of these days, that sounds like but, fun. But PVs are really cool, and they're underrated. I and... I agree. Not just the decade. Everybody's, you know, hip to the decade now, but the decade is not just the only PV amp that should be worth, you know, 600 bucks. I agree. I just got a TNT um, 100. Uh, it's technically a bass amp, and it works pretty good for that, but it sounds great. That 15-inch speaker sounds great yeah. for guitar. I'm loving it. Yeah. I got my friend, O, who is super into gear, and he was in this band called Fluff, and now this band called Harsh Mellow. But he has like this great gnarly, like '90s tone, and he just screams about PVs. And so I got this PV Rage that I'm gonna cut mm-hmm. into a head, yeah, and do a 210 cab. But they sound great. And then my brother, who plays steel, he just picked up—I forget if it was in Nashville or something—something mm-hmm. something with a 15-inch speaker. And it's just clean and loud, and the reverb actually sounds really good. But yeah, yeah. most of the guys I know that underrated that uh, built amps and stuff or build amps, excuse me, they're like the PV designs from that era are kind of weird, but they work mm. really well. Like, like yeah. they're just kind of I don't know. I think I think our attitude towards it probably came initially from they were just everywhere growing up. Yeah. Every school had some random PV laying around, and we didn't see any of our like guitar heroes playing PVs yeah. really. I, I mean, except, in Nashville, they were a little more pre- prevalent, but yeah. Except like Leonard Skinner, all the Mississippi Marshall guys, you know. That's true. The South used a lot of PVs. I even like I I'm into a lot of country music, and you know, you watch Waylon 
anything in the 70s from Texas to Florida was mm-hmm. all PV backline. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. And they sounded great. But, yeah. But I, I heard the logo was designed by the guy when he was in high school. And he just doodled the logo and that was it. Really? Yeah. It's it's one of those weird logos <laughs> that... It sounds weird to say it while it's on top of my head here. But it's one of those weird logos that... I think we we kind of grew up and went, oh, that looks kind of dumb. You know, it's not very yeah. classy. Like a Marshall logo, <laughs> like looks really classy. And then it yeah. stuck around for so long that it became cool. Like now yeah. I'm like, I love that logo. I want it everywhere. Get me all the yeah. PV logo stuff. Like <laughs> I love yeah. it so much. So it's kind of weird. This podcast not brought to you by PV, despite no. what it sounds like yeah. uh, from this intro. <laughs> It's a terrible logo, but I do like it. But there's some that's just, it's stuck around long enough, you know? Yeah. I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. I, the cool thing about my brother's PV he just picked up, and it's the Session 400, now that I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't have the logo on it, so it actually looks cool. Is it like a block letter version or something? Um, It just doesn't have the logo on the front, and it has the white sides and, you know, it has even it has silver knobs on in the front. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It looks really cool, actually. I'm going to have to look that PB. up. Yeah. Well, I think that's yeah. that's enough about <laughs> enough PB for PB. now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to talk about you. I want I know the band, obviously. Mm. Like, Starcrawler's really been hitting the last few years, which is really cool. Thank I think you. my I think my friend, uh, if I remember correctly, I think I first heard about you guys from... Adam from Satellite Amps. I oh, I love Adam. He's incredible. Yeah, such a good dude. Um, and great, great amps. amps. Great amps. Got one. This is just going to be an amp podcast. There, there it is. It. Yeah. For the viewers, it's right there. Uh, yeah, fantastic. So I think that was my first introduction. I don't know if he posted about you or if he told me about you or, or what it was, but mm. immediately went to look up the band and I was just like, "You guys not only like have a great sound, but the the stage show is wild." Oh, thank you. It's so great. And I think that probably is what attracts a lot of people to the band is when they see you guys for the first time. It's it's pretty rare to see people performing the way you guys do. How did this band form? What was the, what's the story there? Um I met Arrow, who's the singer in high school, and we hit it off. And I really wanted to drop out of high school and she didn't want to have to go to college. And she was a year above me. We didn't know each other in school, but she came up to me because I was wearing a cramp shirt. Okay. And uh, thought, you look cool. Do you play guitar? Because I see you wearing band shirts and stuff. And so we hit it off and we started jamming and we just had our hearts set on. Uh, if we get really good, we could go on tour and leave school and maybe do this. Mm-hmm. And so just every day after school, I was like 15 when we started and she was 16. Every day after school, we'd go to her grandma's house and rehearse. And then write songs and stuff and then continued into what it is now. Mm-hmm. But we just got really lucky. And at the time in LA, there was a lot of kind of shoegazy stuff going on where, you know, there's a lot of hipsters staring out their pedals and nobody was really putting on a show. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to just be something that was rememberable and all of our favorite bands, you know, like the cramps being one of them, you know, put on a show and it was, it was shocking kind of, and that's what we wanted to do. And yeah. I guess, I guess it worked. 
so far. It did. <laughs> it did. So did, yeah. did you uh, did you end up dropping out and just hitting it full time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I got to the point where, you know, my parents didn't want me to drop out, so sure, I had to have really good tour dates down. <laughs> um, but thanks to Dave Grohl for Cow Jam, that was like the first one that really started up the touring and mm-hmm. allowed me to drop out. So, That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to drop out too. Uh, yeah, but not to go on tour. I've said this on the podcast mm. many times, and it's weird because I'm just talking about it today with my wife. But like, I love music, love writing, love recording. Yeah. I'm obsessed with all that stuff. But the one thing I knew I could never be in a touring mm. band for cup for one major reason, and that is because I, with every fiber of my being, hate road trips. I really, hate, I hate them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, I, I feel a little bit alone in that at times. Cause everyone's like, yeah, road trip. And I'm just like, for me, I'm like everything that people talk about being good on a road trip. It's a distraction from the road trip. It's like, Oh, the mm. snacks, the, the tunes, the chat, yeah. like I can have snacks and tune and chat without being stuck in a tin can, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I have this very pessimistic attitude, uh, towards, driving for long distances but also because of that i have like a great admiration for people who are able Mm. to do it because i I love it i can't do it yeah i love driving the van too do you oh yeah yeah me and the bass player oh yeah after the show we get six or seven hours in we've done full we did a live record at third band records in nashville on devil's night in detroit and halloween and we Mm -hmm. drove right after the show in Detroit on Devil's Night, straight to Nashville to the sound check the next morning. Dude. And still managed to do that show on no sleep. I'm not built for it. I'm not built for it. I gotta sleep. I sleep so much. I sleep I sleep. sleep It's good for you. Yeah. Sleep is great for you. But so is rock and roll. So, you know. That's debatable. (laughs) It's good for the listeners. I would say so, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That third man, that's such a cool spot. I've never gotten to see a show yeah. there, but I've I've been there quite a few times. Nashville is kind of my home away from home, so yeah, we got to cut direct to acetate, which is an amazing experience. That's incredible. But, yeah. Was yeah. uh was Jack there? Not at that one. Mm-hmm. Um, no, not that I know of. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of an enigma. Like I think everyone goes there thinking that he's going to be like hanging out in the halls, and, and yeah. I don't think he usually is. He's he's hiding I somewhere. I think I think yeah, he he is sometimes. I know he's there a lot, but mm-hmm. I think he was on tour or something. Or yeah, yeah, who knows? So taking a few steps back, uh, obviously, I I shared your pink pedal board the or pedal boards the other oh, day yeah. because they were just. You know, it was Valentine's Day time, and I thought this is perfect. And also, it looks incredible. Uh, mm. What has the pink rig always been a thing with you, or is that more recent? No, yeah, it's this new record. We came out with a new record last year, and the whole thing was everything was pink, mm-hmm. and so we painted all of our amps pink, got our guitars pink, and then my pedal board was just you know all these different colors, and. <laughs> We did some shows with Jack White, and my tech said, you know, his board is blue. Right. So you're really there. <laughs> it, you know. 
Because it was like all of our pink stuff against all his blue stuff. And it was like, you're losing. Right. And, you need to do uh, something about this. Yeah. And so I just took all the petals apart and painted them pink. And yeah. Still got of- more to do. Yeah. I got to <laughs> do the other guy's pedal boards now. But Oh, man. You're the only one. Yep. Yeah. You got to round oh, them yeah. up. Yeah. We did mic stands, cables. I mean, at this point, it just drives me crazy when one thing isn't right. Well, I but, mean, it's part of the show, right? Yeah. So, looks yeah, like- I, I always liked dollhouses. <laughs> so, <laughs> dollhouses, interesting. Yeah, as a kid, you know, they they just catch your eye. Mm-hmm. So, we wanted to bring that into the live show. I like that. That's really cool. I did have a question, and I wasn't I wasn't yeah. the only one. Uh, both mm-hmm. boards had two tuners. What's yeah. This, what's the story there? So I run two amps. I mm-hmm. run a Vox and a Fender. And I use the tuners as kill switches for each amp. Okay. So one of the Vox amp gets no pedals except for a tuner. So it goes into this Laylee switch box that's kind of like a DI for sense. And it goes to the tuner and then back to the guitar. Mm-hmm. And so that amp only gets a tuner. And so for certain parts of the songs, I'll hit the tuner and just have the Fender on for a second. And then I'll hit the tuner and then have the Vox on or vice versa with the Fender. Got it. So we have a bunch of songs on the new record where I'll do a verse with just the Vox. And then I'll have like the big muff sound on the Fender amp. And then I'll click that on for the chorus. And all of a sudden it's like giant. Got it. It all makes sense now. I knew there was a reason. A lot of people were like, well, at least he'll never be out of tune. I'm like, I'm sure that it's not for tuning. (laughs) The crazy thing about it is that the tuners never show the same thing. Oh, right. Yeah, I believe that. They're the same tuner. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. That's one thing. Not that I ever tuned to begin with. (laughs) Well, that's overrated. (laughs) What do you need that for? That's what distortion's for. That's what I got a snark for. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, the the that's one thing about pedals in general that I think a lot of a lot of people don't think about is like mm. there's just even in the exact same model there's going to be some small variations. Oh, it's, yeah. just, it's just going to happen. So a lot of people I've seen them have like a big rig all with everything synced up to te- mm. tempo and they're like now it's perfectly yeah. in sync. I'm like it's not it's not perfectly in sync. It's close and it's close enough. Yeah. But it, I think some people have a misconception that it yeah. is actually all just perfect. And there's there's always going to be some variation because of how Definitely. different brands integrate tap tempo or that there's different ways of doing the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. But random and aside. also just having one signal that goes through all those pedals, what that does to your signal, because I have this, the box up at the top is made by this uniform music guy guy eric who's an amazing guitar tech mm-hmm. but i have a switch that says open on it where i can bypass all the pedals if something's up oh yeah and when you bypass all the pedals on the fender amp the amp sounds different because you're not hitting you're not going through all those pedals mm-hmm. and so that's why i kind of wanted the box to have no pedals so that i have that straight in sound going at the same time while you know one amp gets all the funky mm-hmm. stuff yeah stuff. i mean even if it's all true bypass all of that all of those yeah. cables or excuse me all of those pedals have a little cable in them and that yeah. capacitance will build up if you have a big board 
Yeah, no matter money. what yeah. cable you're using, what it, the Mogami, Gold Shield, whatever. It's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So uh, going, we're going through the rig, so let's go ahead and keep going. You're obviously mm. a Gretsch man. Uh, oh, yeah. Has that always been a thing, or is that a more recent development? Um, I've been a Gretsch guy for like four years now. Ever since I got one, I've always been into them. Um, I love Neil Young and Poison Ivy. Brian Setzer is a huge, you know, mm-hmm. guy for me. Um, so, and ACDC is a huge one. And I always grew up just liking the way they looked. I was a telly guy for a long time. I still love tellies. But everybody always told me, you know, you should play Les Paul because the telly's too bright or whatever. And it doesn't sit in the mix as well as if you played Les Paul. But I'm not a Les Paul guy. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to play something that everybody else played. And uh, the Filtertron pickup is kind of the best of both worlds. Because it does the bright, twangy thing that a telly pickup does, mm-hmm. but it also is a humbucking pickup. And so it has a little bit more of the bottom end. Yeah. And so it just sat in the mix perfectly Very for cool. what we do. That's the that's one of the holes I have to fill. You know, Some yeah. people will get like a lot of the same guitar, and I'm a little bit backwards mm-hmm. from that. I do have a few, yeah. like I have a few Les Pauls, for example, but I usually try to find something that I don't have. Like I'm, yeah. I'm never really lusting for the same thing over and over again. Uh, yeah. so, and a Gretsch has been high on the list for a long time for that exact reason. The Filtertrons are like this yeah. crazy unique like design that I think is, I think is a little bit underrated in my book. I think it's so underrated. And the one I'm using is this TV Jones, uh, Powertron plus, I think so good. Or, those things Which are incredible. Yes. He designed for Billy Gibbons to be kind of the in-between of a Les Paul and uh, Filtertron. Mm-hmm. So it's really amped up and loud, which I really like. And But the problem was once I started using it and I'd switch back to a telly, I just feel the loss of frequencies. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, now I need to have everything be the same pickup yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I did, except there was this guy in Athens, Georgia, who built me this insane uh, guitar. Uh, he hit me up on Instagram. Uh, his name is Dylan Keel. And mm-hmm. he, bu- he hit me up on Instagram saying, I want to build you a guitar. And I sent him a picture of this K I had when I was a kid. And I sent him a drawing of like a three pickup version. Mm-hmm. And he built it right here. And it's the only pick, only guitar that I use in the set that's not a Filtertron. And well, let's take a look at that thing. What do we got? Oh, yeah. that's awesome. It's so cool. And he really nailed it. And uh, these are Curtis Novak pickups. Mm-hmm. And when I first got it back, I couldn't play it against the Filtertrons because they weren't hot enough. And so I brought it to Curtis. And he wired these. He said it's the hottest he's ever wired uh D Armin style pickup. That's and so cool. It sounds so good. And it's got the five way switch mm-hmm. um between the three and a big old neck on it. And that's so that's beautiful. another favorite. But yeah. That's super cool. I didn't I don't think I've seen that one yet. That would, I'm very happy yeah. to that's really, really cool. Yeah, and I use it on a couple more uh kind of softer songs, but 
because it's more clear. Mm -hmm. But it's still loud and full, but it's just clear, which I like. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a guitar on the way. It's it's one of those things. I, I've done this once before. Actually, I got this idea from Adam at Satellite, mm. uh, where I've, I've ordered a couple custom guitars. One I like specked out, like, yeah, make it this color, do th like everything. And that's great. And I love it. Yeah. But what's more fun is if you get a builder that you really trust mm. and just be like, pick a couple things. Like, so like with my millimetric, I was like, I want this body shape, this scale length, and then... Mm. I like kind of bigger necks and surprise me with everything else. Yeah. And that's, that's like as close yeah. to ha like Christmas morning Santa Claus as you can get as an adult yeah. because you don't know what's coming and you're letting <laughs> these people who are just, they're artists in their own right. Yeah. Just create, just make. And so I've got one on the way from uh, BA Ferguson and all he's told me is that uh, he's got a Japanese gold foil in it and that's the only thing I know about it. Wow. So I have no idea what this thing's going to look like when it shows up, but it's getting close. Yeah, so. that's the the main guitars that I play. These, as I grab again, these bats, uh, which are made by Randy Parsons, who made Gretsch's for Jack White. Oh wow! But, um, we're working on something with Gretsch for these guys, uh, which I don't know how much more I can say about it, but. Ooh. They were sort of like that at first. When I first got mine, uh, I told him, you know, I wanted a TV Jones and three strings. And there wasn't much. I was, it was all a surprise. Mm -hmm. And then since then, since I've been using them, we worked on certain things that I like. He put uh, an MXR booster in the first one. Oh, cool. And the MXR was cool, but it wasn't the exact thing I was going for. And so my other friend, uh, Chris from DJ Lava Lamp R2R Electric, mm -hmm. who yeah, makes yeah. treble boosters. Yep. He had an old Gretsch treble booster that was in uh, Jet at some point. In the 60s, I guess they did that. Huh. Um, and so he's he kind of came up with the idea of putting a treble booster in one because I use treble boosters on my board all the time. Mm-hmm. And so now I have one of his pedals in each one of these guitars. So it's just pick up volume and then the volume of the booster and then just a foot switch for the booster. Oh, man, that's so cool. And it's just like simple and Bigsby and it's amazing. And so that's what I'm used to now. And But Randy always surprises me and he's an amazing artist. And so it's like that. You get surprised and then you find yourself in a perfect zone where you wouldn't have been without the luthier yep yep the the only bad part is is like i i always try to emphasize that it's somebody that you trust because yeah. unfortunately this business definitely has some folks that you know definitely aren't as good yeah. as others let's just put it that way so yeah you, you don't want a bad surprise you want it to be definitely. with somebody that has a good reputation and um, even with some of the stuff randy's built me i've changed some things like if something's not working for me, I just change it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you can always change things later if you don't, if something's not exactly feels right or something. Mm -hmm. but. Def definitely. So is it, you pretty much play all uh, quote unquote standard scale length guitars. Do you have any baritones or anything like that? Um, I play in, I use the drops 
for lower tunings. Did you and so drops? I do, yeah. yeah. And so that's what the drops on there. I during the set will tune it down. So I use uh, three string guitars for half the set and six string guitars. So I travel mainly with four, mm-hmm. two three strings in case I break a string, two six strings in case I break a string or break a headstock or whatever. <laughs> um, and so I don't have room for any more guitars. I'm so, glad. I'm glad you brought up the three string thing. I forgot I was going to ask yeah. you about that. What's the deal with the three strings? Why'd you start doing that? Um, cause, uh, I don't want to think as much. And when I started playing in Starcrawler, I didn't even want to be a guitar player. Oh, I was a drummer. Bass player. My dad plays guitar. And so I, when I was really young, I wanted to play guitar cause Johnny Ramone and Angus Young and Jack White. But then I live in Pasadena. That's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. home of van halen and i just knew i could never be a shredder okay it's like I, I don't i can't be a shredder i'm not eddie van halen that's what pasadena is known for i should pick up something else oh. so i played bass i played drums and you know i really love still playing drums and bass but when arrow hit me up she said do you play guitar i said i mean i guess yeah <laughs> and and my dad always played in open tunings, and mm-hmm. then I broke the nut on one of my Epiphones and then just took half the strings off because I realized, you know. Also, there were bands like Morphine and Presidents of the United States that I loved that, you know, did, didn't have all the strings. Morphine had two strings, slide bass. Presidents had a three-string guitar and a two-string bass. So I was aware of that kind of stuff, and it was like, oh, wow, this is a lot easier. I can get different things and not have to do as much. And, you know, the, the top strings aren't ringing out or anything. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started. And then when we started writing songs, I, I just wrote a bunch of songs with that because it was fun and I wasn't thinking. And when you're not thinking, it allows you to, you know, move freely. Mm-hmm. But you keep them in what would be standard tuning if they were six strings? Are they in a open or what are they like? They're, they're just a chord. So it's G, D, G. Okay. And then some of them are A sharp, F, A sharp. And when I originally started, it was D, A, D. Mm-hmm. But then I had all the tension on one side of the neck uh, of this guitar. And my dad was like, you're going to up this guitar. You got to move those strings <laughs> to the middle of the neck. And so I did. And I tuned it to D. Uh, to G, which is basically the Keith Richards thing, minus the two top strings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, three strings in the middle. Interesting. Yeah. I, now I'm looking at a guitar right now, like, hmm, I'm going to try that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds yeah like fun. I mean, it's really fun. You know, I don't just put my finger down either. I'm playing, you find chord voicings, and you know, you could stretch out your fingers and get really weird stuff that you wouldn't normally go for. Mm-hmm. And it all sits in a really nice range, too. You know, sonically speaking, it's all in the middle, you know, because you don't have the low lows and the high highs. So with bass and vocal, it sits really well. Yeah. Does anybody else in the band uh, discard strings, or are you the only one doing that? I'm the only one doing that. <laughs> I mean, my brother on pedal steel has like 10 strings, and... He I got even, he got some extra yeah. ones for you. Yeah, yeah, he got he got all the ones that I discarded. Pedal steel's been coming up a lot lately on this show, and pedal really? steel, yeah, it, yeah. Just this last episode, I interviewed Brian mm. uh, Poston. He's in a band called The Shootouts. Who, since you mm. like country, you should definitely yeah. check them out. It, 
he's Definitely, a yeah. ripper, like such a good guitar player. Uh, but yeah, he was talking about playing pedal steel and pedal steel is one of my very favorite sounding instruments ever, mm-hmm. but I'm so intimidated oh, yeah. by it. Like, I'm like, Oh, I should try it. Oh, I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. Me and my brother bought one together in the hopes that we would both, you know, learn how to play it because we both love the instrument. I had about a week and a half mm-hmm. till I said, <laughs> right. I mean, because you're looking at pedals, knee levers, volume pedal, mm-hmm. and then your hands. And then it's, you know, your yeah. alternate picking and, you know, you're doing bends. Uh, but I like playing uh, lap steel. Mm-hmm in the style of pedal steel, you know, bending behind the bar. Yep. I could get down with that, but pedals and knee levers, I'm out. Yeah. I just don't know if I'm quite coordinated enough for that. I have a hard time walking and chewing gum at the same time. So, you know, yeah. Pedal steel players are, I feel like the most likely to kill people. Okay. Why is that? Because they're crazy, man. (laughs) I forget I, I forget what the actual phrase I heard somebody say once that pedal seals are the most likely I don't know. They're because they, they sit down all day long and they're just doing, you know, this and it's really they spend their whole day doing that. Yeah. You you can't not do that and be a good pedal seal player. Yeah. That's what I'm kinda it worried about. It requires the most work. It's it's an insane like right amount now, of work. my brother's at home playing pedal steel. <laughs> But not killing people, hopefully. You never know. I mean, he's the most likely one to do it. Yeah. Well, I'm saying one day there might be a break. You know, some some Ralph Mooney like, uh, you know, doesn't go right. <laughs> There's a flips a switch. Yeah, you're right. It's a yeah. Crazy hard instrument, and it's so frustrating. Because also and then intonation, you know, it's like a fretless. Mm-hmm. And not everything is right on the, uh, right on the fret, basically. Right. It's like an upright bass. When you play upright bass, it kind of moves around the intonation. It's not, everything isn't on the same post. Like the note might be here on this string, but on this string, it's a little bit more up. And mm-hmm. just figuring all that out on 10 strings is a nightmare. Yeah. While finger picking, which is not something else that I'm yeah. terrible at. So, while finger picking and then, doing you know grace volume like super light footed and then both knees and yeah not for me but boy is it a pretty sounding instrument Uh, one of my favorite sounds ever 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 every time i hear it done well i get like goosebumps i just absolutely love it so much which makes me even more hesitant to try it because i'm like i'll make it sound like a dying cat and not in a good way (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could figure out a couple things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I hear you. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a forty-eight hundred sample rate and 99 preset locations and 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man that's all true but i only care about one thing this pedal sounds sick 
So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at Maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my talkie? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Well, since we're kind of d- down the uh, the pedal steel train, you mentioned mm. that you love country music, which yeah. is, I don't know, probably not super apparent upon first listen to Starcrawler, but not mm. following you and like kind of being aware of, of that's, you know, the Gretches, being, just yeah. being aware of your other interests is not too surprising to me. But like who, when you say country music, who are you referring to? You mentioned Waylon, which is, you know, goat, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I love... Probably some of my favorite is the Buck Owens uh, era mm-hmm. stuff. Um, Merle Haggard. And then, you know, you go into the Wayland. Uh, I really love uh, Farron Young. Um, it, it keeps going. Charlie Pride. Just those records sound great. And there's some great players on there. Uh, and I think I love punk rock. And I hear a lot of that in country. And I grew up, my dad was, uh, still is, a blues guitar player. And so I listen to a lot of blues. And I hear it's just all kind of the same thing. Just, you know, little, tiny different voicings. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, you listen to um, the Ramones. And then you listen to, like, Johnny Cash, a live recording. And there's the same energy in it weirdly Mm -hmm. especially in those live recordings and you know hank williams too and it was all uh against the rules kind of and people don't realize that today they think of it all as like cookie cutter you know i don't know like in the lines music but some of it's just so amazing and there's such great energy and i love the murder ballads oh yeah like, I mean, you got you got to have a good murder ballad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 just funny because, and I think it finally the pendulum swinging the other way a little bit. There for a mm-hmm. while, it was almost uh, I had to like clarify when I'm like I'm a country music fan. I had to yeah. be like, but not that, not Florida yeah, Georgia not Line. current, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like not that, yeah. And now that's become, I think, yeah, I think it's finally you know, breaking. It's, you know, I don't think that it be, is. I don't know. What do you think about it? It is really hard, though, because I love that type of music. And uh, 
you know i even love hee-haw i grew up watching my i grew up watching that with my mom the reruns and uh but then uh i went to go see this guy wheeler walker jr mm-hmm. have you heard of him i have yes and uh me and the bass player tim went and uh my brother and we went to the fonda in la and we went in and, and it was just the most right wing like crowd like tweaker meth vibe mm-hmm. in the audience and that we everybody just looked at us like a saloon and i just felt like i was gonna get my ass kicked just for being there and i was like this guy is making fun of that kind of stuff right right i don't understand and there was a small group of us there that got that but there was a lot of people that didn't get the joke and thought it was serious and i was like oh this is this is not as funny as i thought now that people aren't getting the joke you know i that's a really weird one uh there's him and then there's a there's a comedian i can't remember the name off the top of my head there's a comedian doing the same kind of the same idea making fun of that Mm. sort of culture and i don't mean like making fun of like not making fun of country folk. That's not what I mean. But yeah. like, you know what I mean. Like the overly... no, but they're making fun of like the racist, homophobic, yeah, countryside. You know. Yeah, exactly. And they, they unfortunately, and then Wheeler's like part of this too. Like I don't want to yeah. speak for him, obviously, but it seems like he's had to just for the sake of his career, kind of just like, all right, I guess these people are here too. You know. Yeah. Even though they totally Which... don't understand what I'm doing. Which is uh, crazy. And yeah. I, we played in Bakersfield a couple months ago. Great show. Um, but we went, I knew that the, this music store out there, Front Porch Music, had Merle Haggard's cattle brand. And oh, I wanted yeah, to get so my cool. guitar branded. Yes, yes. And I posted a video of it, didn't think much of it. And it, you know, has like 10 million views or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love Merle Haggard. I don't think of Merle Haggard as like a right wing guy, really. You know, he might have been in his later years, but you know. Uh, listen to his last interview he did with Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters. It's incredible, yeah. and yeah, he's not. He's not. <laughs> uh, but all of the comments I had to go through comments yesterday and delete like you know a couple hundred that were just homophobic and racist. Jeez, just man. these people come out of the woodwork and started because of that one post I did and started going down and commenting on my other, like you hippie. Like, I didn't even know people still said that. I didn't like, either. Hippie haters. <laughs> and I guess I appeal to that. And, uh, so that part of country music kind of makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Cause thinking about that and, you know, making music, you know, really liking country music and making that and, Knowing that that's the fan base is kind of a bummer, but I still love the music, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's people out there that, you know, love country music like me that aren't like that. You know, there's this band I just heard about called Wednesday from North Carolina, Mm -hmm. and they make some rad music. that's like rock kind of has a country twang and they're definitely not that, which I thought was really cool. Um, so it's out there, but there is definitely like a really crazy audience for country music as well. It, it I don't it's, know. It spans a lot of a lot of <laughs> yeah. area. You know, there's a I, lot of hate in there, but there's also a lot of hate in rock music too. I was so. gonna say I don't think it's limited to that. It's I not think, limited. Yeah, I, I think it crosses genres. Even you know, 
you can yeah. you can even view things and I mean I don't even want to yeah. name a genre. You can literally pick problems out of every yeah. single audience. It just is. Yeah, I mean, really, what I think mus- music and people that create amazing music—it's all weirdos, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the cool thing about it is you could be weird and you know express yourself and make something and you know identify and find other weirdos who you know are into the same stuff as you. And, you know, who aren't, you know, I don't know, don't want to be doctors or whatever. Or maybe you do want to be a doctor, but you also want to be uh, play music, which is cool, too. But for people that, you know, kind of did the schooling system and just felt like none of it was really for them. I don't know. It's kind of for that. Yeah, it's it's but, a it's a weird community to be a part yeah. of, you know, like. Because I was definitely like more of a, a blue collar guy for most of my life, mm. and I just never really wanted to do that stuff. But I also, yeah. like as I mentioned before, like I don't really want to tour. I don't really want to live that life. But I, yeah. I'm so addicted to all of this stuff. I just had to weasel my way in somehow, and I've just kind of yeah. carved my own little path. And I'm like, yeah, we are all really weird, like varying yeah. degrees of weird and different kinds of weird. But we're all really weird. We're all really weird. And I think, you know, listening to music and finding bands um, that, you know, play something that you identify with saves people's lives. Oh, yeah. That we don't really think about. 100%. I mean, if I was, you know, back in, say, middle school and I didn't have all the music, you know, if I wasn't currently inspired by all that and driven to do something like that, I don't know where I would be, you know? I don't know. It's hard to even imagine what my life would have been like without being so obsessed with so many different bands and artists. I know. And I realized, and I've I've mentioned this on the podcast before, that for a lot of people, it's background, no matter what Mm. it is. Yeah. The place I used to work played the country music radio station all day. But obviously, I hated that with a passion because at the time, it was just like Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, like just (laughs) I'm just like, oh. And at yeah. one point, I, I've told this story so many times, but not to you. Uh, I stood up and I was like, I've only been here for six hours. And I have heard this song, whatever one it was. I noted yeah. it down on a piece of paper. I've heard this six times. And I haven't even been in the office all day. Like, I've been in and out. But the time that I have been here, I've heard this same song six times. Yeah. And the guys that were in there all day, they're like, oh, I, I didn't notice. And I'm like, how yeah. do you not notice like to me, it's just like I can't ignore it. If I go into a grocery I store, the, I'm almost hearing what's playing over the speaker more than I'm seeing what's in front of me. Yeah, and I guess that's just the weird wiring in my brain. But realizing that most people aren't that way, it, it was it's some, crazy. It was, it was hard for me to understand. Yeah. Really hard for me to get. But I mean, and it's the same way with rock radio. You know, you're on, you're listening to rock radio, driving for eight hours and. I heard Stairway to Heaven four times and it's, you know, it's the same over and over again. You're like, can't they, there's so many new bands out there. You'd think that they could play something else, but no, but as long as most people don't care, then they're just going to keep doing that. But also radio. And I actually read an article about this the other day. I'll have to try to dig it up that Mm. really the last kind of bastion of radio mattering was country radio. And Mm. even that now, People are just like, wait, why would I listen to the radio? I can listen to anything that I want. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard Waylon Jennings in a while. Click, you know, like why, 
why mm. would I even bother turn? Yeah. I don't, I don't willingly turn the radio on at all. Sometimes it's, it's like on before I connect my phone to my car and that's like, Oh, yeah. quick, quick, quick before I hear something on the radio. And it used to be so important. It yeah. used to be the most important way to spread your music out there. And now it just doesn't matter at all. Yeah. It's crazy, but there's always other ways for people to find music. When I was a kid, I found music a lot with the YouTube recommended. Oh, yeah? I would, you know, watch live shows from, you know, The Clash, live from 70, you know, 7 or something. Mm -hmm. The Clash and the Ramones, and then, you know, you'd get a recommended The Sex Pistols or something, and, you know, you'd go down that wormhole and then, you know, just keep going. Definitely. Yeah. This is a a little bit of a segue, but I, I do like to talk to people like yourself who have kind of carved mm-hmm. your own path in the music industry and you're able to do this for a living, which is a, a rarity, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do like to talk when I, when I get the chance to talk to people like you, I like to find out like, how did this work for you? And what advice would you have for somebody who's listening to this thinking like, I want to do that too. I mean, you have to be hungry. I think that's one of the main things. And you have to put in all, all the effort and not, you know, not kind of take, let anybody tell you you can't do it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not at a point where this isn't like a financially stable thing. You know, sure, sure. We're able to. Uh, the cool thing about it is that I'm able to, we're able to go on tour and for it to pay for itself. You know, for a long time that wasn't possible, mm-hmm. and so you're, you know. Every hotel, you know, you're sleeping in beds, three people to a bed kind of thing. And then, you know, you get to a point where like, wow, I can have my own bed tonight, you know, mm-hmm. um, which those feel really good to hit those moments. But I mean, I know a lot of people that are, you know, working at, I don't know, uh, a warehouse job that are making more money than me. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but I would rather be doing, like, this is what I want to be doing. I wouldn't want to do anything else. So I'm extremely lucky and I just keep working. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, let anybody tell me, cool, you're good. And so I'm here at our studio spot, which is our bass player's dad's basement, which we mm-hmm. converted and we built out these rooms and uh, I'm here recording and we work on, you know, commercial stuff, whatever, you know, pays to make to the next thing. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, we just got to keep working, keep finding work and do things that bring you outside of your comfort zone. So you're not just doing the same thing over and over again, mm-hmm. but yeah, you got to be hungry and you got to find people that are into the same thing as you. I think that's the biggest thing. I think about that a lot. If, you know, arrow didn't come and find me, I would probably still be, you know, not touring and just playing by myself. And I'd make demos by myself, but really finding other people who are into the same thing as you is the most vital part. So whatever you have to do, going to shows, meeting people, um, you know, joining whatever program at your school or, you know, whatever it needs to be, uh, you know, becoming volunteering at a DIY venue. Whatever it takes, just being hungry and searching for that and then putting your all into your art 
you know, really making sure that, you know, you're perfecting is, is this the best thing uh, that I could do? Or I always think about, do I want this to exist after I'm here? You know, Mm -hmm. after I'm gone, do I think this is going to hold up and represent, you know, how I feel right now? And trying to think about that and having a heavier meaning behind everything instead of just, you know, saying, Mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't know. I also don't know all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. And if they, Nobody does. if they, if they say they do, they almost yeah. certainly don't. So yeah, I just feel super lucky and still, you know, we're just trying to write, you know, great rock songs and that's the, really the goal. Mm-hmm. I and think tone I- is just the fun part. That's right. <laughs> Tone is the fun part. That's that's oh, yeah. why I just focused on that. I'm like, oh, I can't write songs, so I guess I'll just make noises. Yeah. I don't know. And I, and I love tone <laughs> and, you know, nitpicking. Uh, yeah. Well, I think you said something that's really important there, and I think regardless of if it's music, if it's a business, if it's yeah. a, a painting, if it's whatever, any kind of creative, doing YouTube, whatever kind of creative endeavor it is, I think that staying hungry and putting in the work and keep doing it, consistency is the key. Consistency is the number one reason why I'm able to do this. Because it's also gambling. Like, it's pretty much a gamble that I'm doing this right now. But I also try to invest in uh, stuff that I know. I bought guitars because I know on the road, oh, I could resell that for, you know, a couple grand more than I paid for it. Mm-hmm. And then when I need money, I do sell that. Mm-hmm. And that will pay for, you know, the couple months that I'm not on the road. And for the meantime, I'll have that cool guitar. And when I need to sell that, I need to sell it. And that's what it is. And, and not to mention the thing that very few artists seem to think about, because we just don't tend to be wired yeah. this way, is like, that is literally what you use to make your living. You know? Yeah. If you start, in, you know, Henry Cash LLC, that is full yeah. blown something you can write off. Like it 100%. And, and, and because I'm a self-employed musician, every time I buy an instrument that's a write off. Uh-huh. But it is. Uh and then you don't buy instruments and you're like, "Oh my god, how much do I have to pay in taxes?" <laughs> and you're like, "Quick, buy a Gretsch." Yeah. Like <laughs> Exactly. And that's a really weird cuz it doesn't really make sense. But uh like I bought that uh, behind me a fifty nine, uh, sixty one twenty, mm-hmm. and because so you know I've seen them sell upwards of like six to ten grand, and I bought it for you know four, and so I know okay at any time, that was a lot of money. That's the most money I've ever spent on a guitar. But I know anytime I could resell that. Mm-hmm. So whenever I, there's a need to sell, I can flip it for at least you know a grand more quickly. Mm-hmm. and make my money back and add some on top of that. And you'll have gotten to use it the whole time. Yeah, and I got to have a 59 in my hand, mm-hmm. you know, and record with it. and So things come, things go, but it's a good way to think, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. So on the road, me and my brother are always searching Craigslist. You know, we save up our per diem and, you know, <laughs> getting fun little things. and But... Yeah, and it's it's a really good way. I know a lot of other touring musicians that do the same thing too, that you know are buying and reselling now because the people that buy also are people like I sell the guitars to a lot of lawyers, you know, mm-hmm. doctors and that kind of thing. People that have 
you know, an income to buy these instruments. And I'm just in positions where I can find them. Yeah. You know, being on the road, being in like some small town in Arizona, uh, you know, if you go on Craigslist at 6 a.m. every day, you'll see what was posted at 3 a.m. the night before. And I've been able to become really lucky that way. And that that has honestly made me more money than the music part. (laughs) That's all related, though. So. You, you yeah, couldn't, you couldn't do one without the yeah. other. Plus, and you I have don't to know, know what you're looking for. You yeah, know? and some people know stocks and make a bunch of money on stocks. I don't know stocks. You know, I don't know a lot, but I know gear. And so, <laughs> do with what you got. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Well, we are uh, approaching the end of the podcast, and Mm. I've got a couple classic questions that I like to ask people Mm. before we wrap up. But before I do that, I like to give the guests the opportunity to take the floor and shout out anybody they want to shout out or plug anything you want to plug or say what anything you want to say. You got a couple thousand people listening right now. So Mm. whatever you want to do. I don't know. I just really, uh, I think it is a, like we talked about before, just to anybody listening who wants to start a band or wants to, uh, put out their songs, just doing it. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important more than anything. Definitely. I mean, more than listening to my music, you know, that could do whatever. But <laughs> I think more important for everybody doing something for themselves. And also, like I said, I didn't want to play guitar because I didn't think I could be like a shredder. And here I am playing a guitar on a guitar 
podcast and I've come to terms with, you know, I, I'm happy with, you know, I might not be able to shred, but I'm happy with what I can do. And, you know, some people, you know, that are way better than me might not be able to do exactly what I do and I can't do what they do. Everybody plays to their own, um, you know, everybody has a unique style when Mm -hmm. they strum an instrument and no matter what, no matter if you're, you know, I've had friends of mine come in here that, you know, have only been playing for six months and they're in a punk band and we're recording and I can't play exactly what they play because there's some rawness in the way they play that's, you know, so electrifying mm-hmm. and they might not be, you know, they might not even know what chords they're playing, but the way it comes back and hits you, it means something. And that's what's more important than, you know, any, anything technical. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, not letting anybody tell you you're not good enough or whatever. I can't start a band because I've just, you know, just got a guitar and I don't know enough yet. And just do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. barely know what I'm playing half the time. So exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sounds cool. So Same here. I'm going to go with it. That's what I'm going to yeah, do. When you, when you stop thinking, you start creating something really special, mm-hmm. you know, because you're yeah. not overthinking. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. That was good. I like that. That was a great, great way to wrap this thing up. So, all right, classic questions. Here we go. And this might be, this is going to be kind of funny because I'll, I'll be curious mm. to hear what you think. What is your favorite boss pedal? Ooh, dude, the tuner, man. You got four of them. It's so. the best. <laughs> and the TU3, not the TU2. Okay. What do you like better about the TU3? It's more accurate. Okay. Yeah, Good to know, it really is. Yeah, this is I've a- heard the I've heard I should be hit, hip to the Wazacraft tuner though. I haven't haven't hit the Wazacraft tuner yet. Yeah, that's gonna be a hard <laughs> one to paint pink, right? It's like, oh, it's such a nice pedal. Uh, oh, you'll do uh, it. Though. No, you'll I can do it. Yeah. The hardest ones to paint pink, actually, the memory, whatever those things are that I use, which are amazing because they eliminate a lot of that extra cord cab- cable length mm-hmm. thing, and I could trigger. I hook up a bunch of pedals and like I hit one thing and it trigger triggers like the hoof and the shaker. And then I go to the next and it's just the red llama. Yeah. That's the coolest pedal. And that was the hardest to paint because it's like a computer inside of it. And there's like three layers of stuff mm-hmm. and it was so stressful taking it apart and putting it back together because I thought it was definitely not going to work. Um, but it works. Hey, that's the uh, Boss ES8, right? Is that what that one is? Yeah, ES8 and the ES5. Both mm-hmm. of them on the inside are insane. That's so cool. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Here's the final question. This is the one that gets a little mm-hmm. dicey. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Pizza. Um, a margarita. Oh, a margarita yeah. pizza. It's classic Italian, simple. Yeah. Little I, have a pet, there. I have a pet pig, so I don't eat meat uh, <laughs> just because, you know, they're really smart and I used to, and then you just look down and they're so intelligent. It's like a, having a three-year-old child. And so that kind of ruined pepperoni for me. Fair so, enough. Fair enough. I get it. Uh, margarita is pretty sick though. But a margarita pizza is really nice. It's yeah, really it is, nice. But, you know, it's your go-to uh it's the least things that could go wrong <laughs> but it's got to be yeah. dialed it's got to be yeah. dialed because there's nothing to hide yeah. behind there that's just... also 
the thing about that's the only thing about tour that I don't like because I love the driving going to places but I'm always thinking okay what's the least possible you know risk factor thing I could eat mm-hmm. to not get food poisoning yes because that's just the ultimate hell and uh our bass player still has it right now I have COVID right now I don't know if we mentioned that but oh, we didn't so I'm I'm isolating uh, we just came back from, off of tour, and then me, basically, and my brother all tested positive. So That's why you said, I'm not doing anything for a few days. Yeah, that's why I got this hat <laughs> on, because I got greasy-ass hair right now. And uh, I feel fine, which is super cool, but I am testing positive. Yeah. So Yeah, I had a Nashville trip, actually, just about a year ago, when we were launching the Slice of Pie pizza pedal. I don't know if you saw that or not. but uh, Wait, so that was you? Uh, it was a collaboration between me and, and Big Ear Pedals, yeah. Rad. I saw uh, my friend O, who got me hip to the PV, posted uh, Ian from the Aquabats with yes. his pizza, pizza slice pedal. Yeah. He I picked one. Cool. He picked one up like right away, and so he had one. He had one fairly fairly quickly. He's got to have one of the first ones. I'm almost positive. Yeah, but uh, it's amazing. I was supposed to fly to Nashville for the drop and we were going to like film all this stuff and, mm. and literally like the day, no, two days before I started feeling, I wasn't bad. I was just a little snivelly. Um, I was like, huh, I don't know. I'm about to fly on a plane with a bunch of people. I better test. And like, sure enough. Yeah. And I, t- I did it like four <laughs> times. I was like, please, no, it's a false positive. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Nope. 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 It was positive every time. So. Yeah. That got sabotaged, but uh, so I feel your pain. It's kind of weird. Like I don't want to feel sick, but at the same time, it was like, well, it's weird to feel fine, you know? <laughs> like yeah. I still have to do I, this. I was sick on the first day driving back. We drove back from Kansas City uh, to Los Angeles, and it sucked that first day. But after that, I was good. Mm-hmm. Now I just have like a I'm stuffed up. Yeah, like congested, but. I mean, I've had COVID so many times now, and this is the chillest COVID I've had yet, so I'm pretty (laughs) stoked. I'm just staying home, recording, and uh, sticking to myself, not getting anybody infected. I hear you. Yeah, we had it. We had it. In retrospect, we didn't know what it was at the time, but we had it before it was like kind of an official thing, and that was horrible because it was like full strength, like straight from (laughs) Wuhan coronavirus. It was like... Yeah. It took out my whole me and my whole family for weeks. Yeah. It was wretched. Like we, worst thing. The sickest ever. I've been in the past couple of years was actually we came back from Korea a few months back. And then I got this crazy like lung infection that we all got. Whoa. And I was so sick that uh me and the our friend at house guy were hallucinating in our hotel room. That was when we I were had just COVID. like yeah, gone and it was, and we weren't testing positive because we were like, we have to have COVID right now. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. It was something, I think just going to different places, your body isn't immune to all, you know, different sure. viruses and stuff. And Yeah, there's more than just COVID out there. Out. Yeah. There's lots of stuff you can catch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was messed up. Do you remember what you were seeing? I still remember distinctly some of the stuff I was hallucinating. It was bizarre. Yeah, it yeah. was crazy. Um. I do. What were you seeing? I I think I was mainly like seeing like sh- I thought somebody was trying to break into our hotel room. Oh whoa, yeah. I I was seeing like monsters and things that were trying to get me. And monsters, then, yeah. Yeah. My wife come out because I was in the living room. I was mm-hmm. like, you try to stay away from me as much as you can because I'm 
like horribly sick and everybody ended up getting it. But uh, I was sleeping out in the living room at well, sleeping. I wasn't really sleeping. I was awake the whole time, but yeah, she came out to check on me and I had no idea if she was real. Like I knew wow. it, was, it was her, but I was like, am I dreaming? She's like, what is going on? I'm like, are you, uh, is that Lynn? Is yeah, that it's she, up. It was bad. It was bad. I was freaking out. Didn't like it. Do not recommend. No. no. Fever dreams are bad news and they're no joke. They're the worst. Ugh. Yeah. I had like a one Oh two fever. Ugh. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, I'm glad you're better now. Well, I guess yeah. you're kind of sick, but you're not too sick, so that's good. Yeah, I'm. I feel great. Mm-hmm. I'm congested. Uh, I've been testing positive for about ten days now, and today is the first day where I tested negative. Oh, so I'm gonna right. I'm gonna take another test. Still gonna chill just because I feel congested still, but it's looking up for me. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. Well, hey, you yep. want to uh, you want to slide over to Patreon, see what kind of weirdness we can get into? Yeah, I've never been to Patreon, so. Well, well, yeah. it's it's gonna be weird. Let's check it out. All right, sounds good. All right, everybody, for Henry, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it. There it is. I hope you enjoyed that episode, folks. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I enjoyed the Patreon conversation even more. A bunch of you did respond last week to me saying that the Balkan Brothers Patreon episode was one of the best in recent memory. Well, Henry's is right up there too. He tells some crazy stories. And if you've ever wanted to get access to that, you can go to patreon.com slash tone mob, where for five bucks a month, you get extra episodes beamed directly to your ears every single week. There are a ton of back episodes there. And if you want to hear the show after the show, that is where you go do that. And it helps me out immensely, like immensely, immensely, immensely. So thank you to everyone who is doing that. And if you can't, of course, let's try to beat last year. Last year, this podcast was in the top 5% of podcasts that was shared by its audience in the entire world, at least according to Spotify. And I'd like to see it hit that again. So if you could share this, if you could send a link to your friend, if you could share this with somebody, that would mean the world to me because that really, truly keeps the show going. If you've ever thought about doing it and it just didn't cross your mind in the right moment, just take a second right now. Just pause whatever it is you're doing just for a moment, copy and paste the link and send it to somebody that you think would enjoy this. It helps so, so, so much. I've said before, YouTube's tough, but with podcasts, there is no algorithm. The algorithm is just you folks sharing, and that's what keeps this thing going. So thank you all so much for that, and I will talk to you on the interwebs very, very soon. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings So why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? 
Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.